Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking. My guest today is Rob Buffington. Rob is an experienced consultant in the HOA management space and brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to management, companies, and mid-sized businesses that struggle with vendor services, staffing, bookkeeping, and overall management issues. Rob doesn't understand just one or two aspects of the industry. He's been with HOA management previously and has also experienced in vendor-style working along with HOAs. He currently owns and runs an accounting firm and a remote staffing company, both of which focuses on servicing HOA management companies. Rob brings a well-rounded, unique perspective to the industry. His overall professional mission is twofold, provide the best possible service and consulting to clients and to make a positive difference in the world. Each of his companies is heavily involved in local charity work and are built on employee profit-sharing models. So everyone benefits from the success of their collective business ventures. We welcome Rob to the show. Well, it's so good to welcome Rob to the show today. How are you doing today, Rob? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. So I'm going to open a question with you. Good question to start out with. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received would probably be learn from the mistakes of others because you're not going to live long enough to make them all yourself. <laughs> um, one of the best things I did early on was just connect with other people in similar roles as myself and just meet regularly and just exchange ideas. Um, cause a lot of times there's 20 other people going through exactly what you're going through. And if you meet with them, you can save yourself some heartache and hopefully prevent them from going through the same stuff you've gone through. I've heard that somebody else said it this way. It's like, don't get the same bumps on head. Other people have gotten learned from theirs. <laughs> yeah. So it's yep. Same concept. I like that. I love to ask my guests, this gives you a chance to kind of think back to the people who have served to inspire you in your life to kind of give them a, a shout out and a, and a word of thanks. So who are some people in your life that have inspired you or served as a mentor for you? Um, I love, you know, as you can probably see behind me, I love to read. I love biographies. I love memoirs. Um, I just finished one on James Garfield earlier today. I, I love to read about the, the people you would think, um, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Michael Dell, Stephen Schwartzman, because it's it, Phil Knight, it, because it's, it's very interesting. They're all very successful. They're also all giant messes. And you read through these biographies and every single one of them has made at least one giant mistake that if taken in itself, you would say this guy's a total moron. 
um, they've all. It, it it's very comforting to know that there there really isn't a difference. They try stuff, they fail, they learn. They try stuff, they fail, they learn. Um, so it's always encouraging to read those and realize that you know whatever dumb mistake I might have made this week, I am not unique, and I, I, you know, and that's that's not gonna not no that doesn't make me unique, right? <laughs> Other people made the same or similar dumb mistakes yeah. in their life, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What would you love this audience to know about you that maybe you don't share very often about yourself? Um, I would say I, I'm passionate about fixing charity. Um, I, I think I've, I probably do share it about myself a fair amount, but I'll do it again. Um, I was actually a pastor for a few years and I worked in a nonprofit for a little bit. Um, and I think most charities are, are a little bit broken. Um, not, not out of ill intent. I think we have amazing people doing the work, but it's kind of similar, <clears throat> excuse me. It's kind of similar to having a chef open a restaurant. They're two entirely different skill sets. Um, and I think a lot of charities are run by people with amazing hearts and very little business sense. Um, and s- which again, it's, it's not a criticism at all. You rarely find somebody who has both. And so one of my passions is building resources to help nonprofits have that support almost like a franchise without a franchise. So Gordian, what we do is we do it for businesses, but our hope is to do it for uh, nonprofits offer staffing, accounting, consulting, it, all that either for free or at cost um, because the, you know, these amazing people, they need the support and they often don't get it. So that's, that's kind of my vision. I had a class two summers ago about entrepreneurship and we had to distinguish between a for-profit company, a non-profit, a not-for-profit company. And, right. and then a one, non-profit. Yeah, and one of the things we, we studied was, like you just talked about, non-profits struggle because you, you try to balance out how much do you spend on the business side of it for something that's not supposed to make a profit. And so when you right. see successful nonprofits, it raises the question of, is there an ethical problem here? So how do you, how do you work? Kind of what you're talking about. How do you help nonprofits realize you can still do things with yeah. good business sense that still uh, yeah, and that's, that still gets back to the charity work? Yeah, and that's a business can be charitable and a charity can be profitable. Like there's nothing wrong with running it according to good principles. That's one of the biggest things. The budgets are so low, they get the the cheapest person they can or well, the best person they can afford for the budget. Whereas a great company knows that if you have to pay a CEO 200000 a year, they're going to make the company 20 times that. So it's, it's that difference in mindset. For-profits play to win. Charities play not to lose. And I think we've got to fix that. I love it. So how do you help them do that? Since you say you work with them, I'm just kind of curious. How do you help them? You talked about staffing and yeah. hiring. How do you help them raise their competency level, I guess I would say? So we're still in early days. We we give very generously. Last year, we were fortunate enough to give over a hundred thousand to charity. Um, we do bookkeeping for a lot of our charities for free. We help with social media for a lot of the charities where I sit on the board or that we support on a regular basis. And each of the businesses in my portfolio has assigned charities. So we have um, uh, because international is a great one that has they have a, a shoe that they make for people in impoverished areas that can actually grow up to five sizes. They call it the sh- a shoe that grows because you can undo the latches and it grows out. So for every employee we hire, we donate a pair of shoes, you know, things like that. Um, 
And so we do that, but and then we also do um, we do free accounting for them. We do free admin support when we can. Right now, we're still learning. I sit on several board seats because I want to learn so that eventually we can launch our own. Um, but yeah, just being available where we can, obviously donating as much as we can. I love that. So I love to hear your story. Tell us your personal journey. Um, sure. I was, you know, I went to college. I went to college to, to, for nonprofit management and was, like I said, was a pastor for a few years. Um, I, I think the short and, and easy version is I realized it was a lot easier to make money than raise money. I, I spent well over a year trying to, to raise money for a work, uh, where I lived in East Africa, just trying to raise money to go and help people and, and had an interesting experience and learned a lot. Um, and eventually I just realized that I, I could do a lot more good making money and giving a lot of it back. Um, and so now we, we give away a lot more than we ever tried to raise. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I was in college cause it was the 08 crash started to buy rental properties, fix them up, rent them out, things like that. From there, the next logical step was become a real estate broker. Then I realized, well, I need to manage the property. So I bought a property management company. Then I bought a building services company because we needed building services. Then staffing was a problem. So we started to hire remote staffing, founded Gordian Staffing. Then accounting became kind of the question. So we founded Gordian Financial. So they've all built upon one another. Um, they've all solved the problem created by the previous one. <laughs> I love that. So we've heard a lot during the COVID about remote teams. How do you, uh, and this is a question I kind of, I know I hear a lot is how do you monitor productivity with a remote team? Yeah, we get that question a lot. Uh, and I guess I, I, I like to kick it back with another question of how do you man, how do you monitor productivity of a domestic team how do you like you're there but i'm not paying for the back of your head i'm paying for what you're getting done like what do you do like so i always say what what is this position supposed to be doing how do you how do you know somebody gets their job done if it's a phone position okay i want a missed call percentage of less than three percent and a customer satisfaction rate of 99 you know figure out what that is if it's ap i want this many invoices coded per hour with an error rate of less than half a percent you got to come down to work product um you know, some people, they like to micromanage. I, I know companies, they'll keep the camera on eight hours a day. That's creepy. I, I wouldn't do that. Like, no. I, I wouldn't agree to that. Um, yeah, you, you got to figure out what are they, what do you expect? What is the output of that position and focus on that rather than micromanaging people? Have you noticed a remote teams losing the um, cohesiveness of being together in terms of like, especially when teams are creative, is it harder to do it remotely than doing it in person? I know it's dependent upon the team, but generally speaking, is, is it more, is it made work more difficult in some situations? Honestly, a little bit. I think you need to work at it more. Um, I, I think there's a trade-off. The, it, the pros are, you know, I lived in the Bay area for off and on 20 years. There were times I had an hour and a half commute. Like it, it was brutal. So by the time I got to my office, I don't think I, you know, I wasn't giving them my best. If I needed a break, I couldn't really, you know, so I think you're getting more energy. You're getting happier people that deliver better output. But at the same time, yes, I think you need to make the effort. I think you need to be focused on spending a certain amount of time with people to make sure you get that connection because it's too easy to be out of sight, out of mind. 
I recently heard a, a, a statistic or a, an estimate that's really kind of stuck with me. And I said, it takes 90 hours of live communication to make a friend, 200 hours to make a close friend. And he went on to talk about that's, you know, that's why as adults, it can become very difficult to make friends because who has 90 hours to spare unless you're working with that person every day. And I can't help thinking if there's not a number like that as it relates to employee engagement. And maybe as employers or as managers, we should have a goal that we spend 90 hours in the first three months with an employee, connecting with them, learning them, helping them. Um, but it, it absolutely is doable. We have cumulatively over 500 employees at this point. Um, 460, 470 are remote. Um, so yeah, it absolutely can can work. I love that. So because you're working in real estate, I'm kind of dying to know your feel of the housing market. I, I keep hearing we have a 2008 bubble that we're, that's about to like pop. And so, as someone who's working close to that field, what are your, what's your read on the housing market? There's a lot of people a lot smarter than me and they can't make up their mind. So I'm, I'm not going to guess. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I manage properties more than I sell. Um, that, so it, I, I kind of win regardless. Um, but yeah, a lot of people a lot smarter than me can't figure that one out. So I, What's what's my opinion going to do? Well, I thought I'd check it off of my my real estate, you know, my free investing guy to talk for today. <laughs> well, here, here, here's what I'll say: if you buy a house for the long term, I've never been a house flipper. It's not really my style. I'm not a big fan, to be honest. If you're buying a house to hold for 30 years, the difference between now and whenever the bottom of the market is is going to be infinitesimal on a 30 year timeline. But if you don't buy a property for five years because you missed the cycle and it goes back up, that's going to make a lot of difference. So there's an old saying that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I like that. I'm working on my doctorate in, in organizational change. So when you this question really kind of helped me kind of fill in some spaces in my doctoral work. But let's talk about company culture. Sure. I'm working on my dissertation on Cotter's model of change. And the very last step of Cotter's model is the, co the, the company adopts a culture and that culture spreads throughout the organization. How do you help ensure that the culture you're trying to set spreads throughout your organization when you have people who are not necessarily in the same office together? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about Big Tech or Big Brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number 4, freedommobile.com. It's a good question. And 
there's it's one I don't think there's a 30 second answer to. And it's one that I don't think I have the, the best. I I'll tell you what we do. Number one is we know what our culture is. We know what's important to us. We know what we're trying to promote because otherwise, you know, company culture, you like what you have, but until you define it, it's kind of hard to spread it. Um, like I was speaking about a minute ago, we, we try to spend a lot of time face to face, even if it is via zoom, we do regular check-ins. We talk about priorities, even though they're remote, like in two weeks, I'll be down in our Mexico city office, meeting people there, spending a week with them, going out to lunch with them. I'm going to go see some stuff in the city that I haven't seen before. Um, in, in different parts of the city, I, I'm going to spend that time with them while I'm in town. So being remote doesn't mean you can't connect with people. Um, I think social media can be very helpful or company newsletters just make the effort to communicate. What do you want people to know? You know, what's the company doing? What's important uh, at our Christmas party every year? One of the first things I brag about, I mean, yes, I brag about how much the company has grown, but I always talk about this is how much we've been able to do. This is how much we've been able to give. We've, you know, paid for this many cleft palate surgeries. We've supported this many orph. That is the highlight for me. Um, we do regular check-ins. Our HR generalists try to talk to employees once a month at least and just kind of see how they're doing, stuff like that. We have company events, virtual socials, stuff like that. When I was but in, it's a moving target. Yeah, you're right. When I was in when I was in Paris, um, we talked about church culture and we tried to make sure to make sure it was communicated that every time we caught someone living out the culture, we highlighted it. Uh we yeah. we we read it every single Sunday. <laughs> In the bulletin. Yeah. Um, it, it was always about pointing people to and remind. We had leadership meetings. We talked about how here's how the, the culture and the vision is being lived out in our planning and our meetings. So I'm just kind of curious. How do you you talked about some of those things? How do you communicate to someone new coming on staff? What is your culture? So how do you hire for culture? How do you hire for culture? I mean, I think one thing that's really important is it's got to be uh, top down. So your supervisors, your managers, your recruiters, they have to know what the culture is as well. So, for example, a very large chunk of our staffing and our accounting services are for the property management, HOA management industry. Every one of our recruiters has gone through an HOA management and a property management training class. They're recruiters. They don't need to manage properties, but it's important that they know what we're about. Um, we have company team building activities in the different offices. So a lot of times those team building activities will involve, hey, we're going to go see the charity that we support so that you can see the, the fruits of what you're doing, stuff like that. Um, so I would say announcements like that. In the past, I've done things like book clubs. Um, you know, I like to read books with people and kind of go over stuff that are that share our values, things like that. As a company, I'm kind of curious. You know, the new trendy words are DEI. How is how does your company handle the DEI aspect that's going on throughout cultures and companies today? Well, I mean, we're an international company. We're in multiple countries and eight, eight states domestically. My philosophy is you hire the best person. It doesn't really matter what they are, what they look like. You just go with the best. Um, you know, people do blind profiles sometimes. It, it all depends on the company and what the objective is. But I think for all the articles, all the stuff going on at the end of the day, who's the best person, everything else 
shouldn't matter. I love that. <laughs> I always like to figure out how a country company's company is navigating these. It seems like it's like the business is kind of struggling sometimes to kind of figure out. I think it was back we talked about earlier. If you know your identity, you know your culture, everything else is a lot easier to kind of staff for or hire for. If you're unclear about it, you struggle maybe with that more than some other people do. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what a typical day is look, look like for you. I'm just kind of curious for someone of your position, what a typical day looks like. Uh, lots of coffee to start, lots of <laughs> alcohol to end it. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a typical day, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, uh, lots of email, lots of video calls, um, lots of putting out fires, lots of, uh, uh, you know, taking it on the chin, just trying to help people. Um, my best days are the days that I, that it's kind of quiet and I get to spend time with people and, and help them, whether they're clients or internal. Um, my favorite days are the days where I get to the end and I feel like, you know, I think somebody's probably a little bit is 1% better off because I spent a little bit of time with them. Um, I think those are probably my favorite days, but yeah. Um, meetings with a lot of subordinates, uh, partners, team members, leadership team, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, I've got some amazing people that run their various areas and, and we're at the great part, which is also a little scary for me that they know their jobs way better than I ever do would or did. And it's, it's a weird feeling because, you know, we're, we're a young company. Um, a couple of years ago, I was confident that I could jump into any position in the company and do it better. And so it didn't matter who left, didn't matter how much we grew. I could jump in wherever needed. And now it's like, I'm not even sure what I'm bringing to the table because I got people that are just so amazing working, uh, working with me here. That's exciting. You got to love that when your company gets to that point where you, it, it kind of does that without you having to oversee it and have to put your, your iron fist on it. So that's great. It's a little scary. I think they're all going to wake up one day and realize they don't need me that much. There you go. So what are you excited about in this season of your company? Uh, I'm excited. Really what we just talked about. I feel like we finally, for the first time I can remember, I feel like we have in the leadership team, we have the right people in the right place. And every one of them is great at what they do. I feel like we've got a shared vision. I feel like, I feel like I have their trust. I feel like they have my trust. Um, and I feel like we're finally going to be in a place where we can just kind of, you know, take names and kick ass and, and move forward. Um, so I'm sure there'll be bumps along the way, but it's exciting to see that I've, I've moved from the president to the CEO role, which basically means I stay the heck out of a lot of stuff um, and just trust people to do it. So I'm pretty excited about that. A little nervous, but excited. That's awesome. So every company has something that they have a niche for. So what sets your company apart from all the others? Well, I mean, our largest company, the, the main focus of our organization is remote staffing. I would say we pay, it's, it's really simple, but we pay our people really well. I, we keep our margins extremely thin so that we can still be competitive to our clients, but we pay our people much better than they can get at most other companies. We treat them well, we give them good benefits. And the idea is that we'll keep those people hopefully for five, 10 years. We want them to have a long-term home with us. Um, it's better for the client. It's better for the employee. Ultimately, it's better for us. Um, and I think a lot of companies are more focused on the next quarter or this year and, and they're not playing the long game. That's great. I love to ask my guests this question. As you think about your place now and 
your legacy? What do you want that legacy to be? I would say, I mean, my legacy, I, I think I'll probably be forgotten in 10 years. Um, I, I forget. I don't think it was Voltaire, but somebody said you die twice. Once is the day you die. The second is the day the last person speaks your name. Um, me personally, I think I'll be forgotten. But my hope is that I can use my organization and use what we've built to help change charities so that going forward, charities are held to a higher standard on the business front they can do more with less. And then in a twist, people who can really help business owners, uh, uh, millionaires, the successful people, they have, an, they have so much respect for their money because they know how much it took to get it. They'll be more comfortable giving more of it to an organization that runs well. So my hope is that I can push charities to change just a little bit and that it'll start a cycle of, of uh, more productivity and more effectiveness. I love that. Is there anything we sh we haven't covered that we should cover? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I would just say read a lot of books. Don't be afraid to make stupid mistakes and, uh, you know, get with people that are in your uh, Learn from them and they can learn from you. So, Rob, where can my audience find your company and where can they find you on social media? Uh, company is GordianStaffing.com. Um, websites on there. You can also find us on LinkedIn as you can find myself, uh, Rob Buffington on LinkedIn. Well, Rob, this is a great conversation. I love what you do. I love the fact that you're pouring into charities, like you said, because they, they offer so much to the world oftentimes, but sometimes they're missing some of the infrastructure to be able to do what they do more effectively and more cost effectively. So what you do is really a positive. So if somebody else wants to do that too with their company, reach out to Rob and ask how they're coming alongside and supporting charities because you could do that too with your company, with your business, with your expertise, because there's so many people out there who need the help to really take it to the next level. So we thank you for people like Rob and his company and, and what he does to kind of make what all of us want to do better. So thank you for that. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bkeithhaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.